Welcome to Moran Talmud, the podcast where we explore the depths of Jewish philosophy through the lens of Moran Avuchim and other great Jewish philosophers. Join us as we delve into the intricacies of the Talmud and gain a deeper understanding of various sugyas in Shas. So, the aim, the aim for what I'm trying to do is not really to get into the discussion of the God part, not to get into the discussion of the perplexed part, but rather to take some of the ideas that the Rambam uses in explaining, or in explaining the, like let's call it the philosophy, and that's where he discusses in the right at the beginning of my Rebuchim in the introduction, he explains that what he's coming to do is to help someone who's learned Torah, who's Torah knowledgeable, and who's getting confused by certain concepts that they've learned in Greek philosophy, or whatever it was at the time, which really isn't what confuses people today, so I'm not really, I don't think it will help the perplexed today, but what I'd like to do is look at the Rambam as a complete person. So the Rambam was, of course, we know he's well known as being the person who wrote Mishnah Torah, as being someone who's a great Samuel Chochem, wrote all these halachics for him, and to try and understand using him as a complete person, also also taking some of those concepts which would help with the understanding his worldview and how that affects how he paskins and how that affects how he looked at the at different sugyas and therefore we also maybe just even sometimes understand other Rishonim and other sugyas. The concept I'd like to discuss to start with is the concept of Kavua. So the concept of Kavua brought in Gemara in a few places We'll use the case that the Raman brings over here in the first source on, in Hilchas Machalas Asuras Perchet Alaf So the case is there's nine, nine shops or ten shops. Nine shops sell kosher meat and one shop sells, sells trade meat. And you have a person who went into one of the shops and he doesn't know which shop he went into. So, so therefore the halacha is that it's Asur. And why do we say that it's Asur? Even though there's nine shops that are kosher and one shop that's not that's not kosher. Because we say a concept called called kavua kamechsalmechsadami. Anything that is kavua, that is almost, that it's set, it's in its place, however we translate that, we can say, we can discuss, but that is kamechsalmechsadami. It's like 50-50. So even though it's not actually 50-50, the case over here is 90-10, but we see it halakhically as 50-50. And therefore, this is going to be asr, because you have a piece of meat, you have, you have a 50-50 tray for kosher, which we, as we hold, subject the right to the Khumra. Okay, so we, get, we always see it as 50-50. So now, but if you find a piece of meat in the street, and you, and, you, and you don't know where it came from, the same concept, so then you go, then you go after the rope. So over here you have 90 kosher, 10, well, 90% kosher, 10% treif. You're mainly going to go after the rope, and the rope, and you'll say, called the porish, marubu porish. So the concept of kavu is a, like a, it's a huge concept. It's a very complicated concept. We're not going to try not to get into all the details here, and it's not the, the aim. It's to, just to try and understand what is the sephora behind this kavu is really what I'm trying to achieve. So now, the question is, why should it be like that? So, so you have a piece of meat, and let, let's go back to what the, what the case is. You have something where you know it's identifiable the various, let's say the various parts of the question. You have nine shops, that are kosher, and you can identify them. One, two, this is shop one, shop two, this is shop three, shop four, shop five, shop six. 
and you have one shop that's trait, it's identifiable. The Isur is identifiable. And you went in because the Safek, and this is how they, they explain, because the Safek started in the Makamakavur, and the Safek started in the place where you can identify it. Then we're going to say, call the parish and parish. But anytime where the Safek, when you find a piece of meat in the street, and the Safek starts outside of that, it starts, then we're going to say, um, call the parish Maruba parish and Holkimacha Arov. Now, the question is, where do we get this from? Where do we understand this? Where does it come from? So, the Gemara, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, and this is where we get the Maramokim, and this is where we start getting into complications. So, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, this is in source 3, it's based on the Mishnah, the Mishnah says that if someone was in Chavin, he tried to hit a grown-up person, and there was enough power in his shot to kill a grown-up person, um, and he killed a child, he will hit a child and the child died, he's going to be chayv. Rabbi Shimon says, he, even if he tried to kill one person, a normal adult, and he by mistake killed another adult, he's still going to be chayv. Uh, sorry, he's still going to be pater. Okay, so the Gemara says, my time with Rabbi Shimon, what's the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon? Amar Kral the Pazuk says, the Arab love a It's that he, he almost, he has lied in wait for him, and he got up to kill him. Until he's mechaven to him. You have to almost lie and wait for that person. Until you, until you wait for that person, you chayev. You, you you're going to be chayev only if you lie and wait for that person. And so that's what Rabbi Shimon holds. You have to be mechaven for one specific person. But, you have to go to Galus, right? Pardon? Well, you have to go to Galus. Yeah, you might have to go to Galus, but you're not going to be chayev. Mesa. For Abon and Amir, Abon and say, Debate Rabbi Yana, like the house of Rabbi Yana, which says, Prat Lazoric Evan Lagoy. For Arab Lover Kamalav is telling me that only if, that if you throw your, it's a special Kiddush, it's telling you if you throw a stone, like behind your back, into a group of people, that you're going to be chayyah. Okay, hey Kidami, what, what's the case? If you want to tell me that the case is where there's nine going and one Jew, Obviously, you're going to be potter. Why? Because there is a majority of nochrim. There's a majority of non-Jews. So we call him a chayv. You're only chayv misa for killing a Jew. You're not chayv misa for killing a non-Jew. So how are we going to be chayv you? How are we going to be chayv you if there's a row of non-Jews? Inami, so maybe you want to tell me palga of the palga. So you want to tell me it's 50. The case is where there's 50-50. So of course we also we're going to be patur. It's not a there's no tour over here because we hold something the fashion the We hold at any time when there's a suffix when by the death by anything to do with with the death basically we always go hakel we always go to be lenient. So says the Gemara loitzricha dekatesh Yisrael benachrecha. There must be a case where there's nine Jews and one guy. Benachrecha benay one guy amongst them the havelin nachri kavua because the non-Jew is kavua he's set in his place he's identifiable. You have ten people. None of them are Jewish, easily identifiable. One of them is a guy, easily identifiable. We call kavok mechza mechzadami anything that's in its place. That's if we say kmechza mechzadami. So that is chachamim. Sorry, so that's yeah, that that's chachamim. Chachamim say you this pasuk of Arab Kamenav is coming to tell me that when I take a stone and throw it behind my back into a group of people, and I, and that group of people is non-Jews, one non-Jew. You're gonna be potter because we say kavua and call kavua kamechza mechzadami. But Rabbi Shimon used that pasuk to tell me that I have to be mechavin to kill a specific person. If I'm not mechavin to kill that specific person, I'm never gonna be chayiv. So 
So now, and now the problem is, the problem is that according to Rabbi Shimon, we use that pasuk of Arav Kamalav to tell me that you have to mechaven, you have to intend to kill one person. I don't have a raya for this concept of kol kavokim According to Chachamim, I have a raya. I have a pasuk in the Torah. I have a pasuk that tells me the Arav Kamalav tells me any time you have kavua, you say it's fifty-fifty. Any time a suffix in its place, this our case of shops. There's another case, just the similar, they normally like similar types of cases. You have, you have uh, the other case, Morim Sachim, for example, is you have nine things of chomets, uh, one thing of, of uh, oh, sorry, let's say that, nine things of not chomets, one thing of chomets, and then you took one and you put it into the house, you'd be hard to do a bidik, you'd be hard to check the house. Why? Because once again, your suffix started when you took it from the nine. Or well, you took it from the ten, and you don't know which one it is. So even though nine are nine, wouldn't be a problem of chametz. But once again, because the suffix started where each pile is identifiable, what it is, so you're going to have to you're going to treat it as fifty fifty, and you're going to be high. In that case, you check the house. So Tosfos asks. Tosfos asks that question. The, the, I think the question that that screams. Okay. Tosfos asks. Tamed Rabbi Shimon Kavua. Okay, where do we know? This is a tamer, it's a big question. Where does Rabbi Shimon know the concept of Kavua? The concept of Kavua comes up, Tachlis comes up all over Shas. As we see here, even as we see the Rambam Paskans, the Shulchan Aruch Paskans, it's an accepted thing. Where does Rabbi Shimon get Kavua from? Sorry, do you tell me where did the Chacham get Kavua from? What's the Pasuk? This Ba'arav Kamala. They understand that this Pasuk Ba'arav Lava Kamala. What does that mean? You translate that? Ba'arav Lava means almost like he's, you've got to, it basically means you've got to, like, aim for him, you've got to try, you've got to like, wait in, wait for him, and then he like, gets up to kill him, okay? And from there they learn... And from there they learn that it, as long as it's not Zarak Evan Lagab, which is you throw the thing backwards, and it's coming to tell me specifically where you throw it backwards, and you have this ten people, and that, that's the... So, so we can be Dorish, how, how they learn the now from the Pasuk, it's not, uh, you know, not, not a specialist in, in Droshas, but this is the Pasuk that they learn out of sport here this morning, Sanhedrin. It's bought in the morning service, or it's bought the same maramakum for kol kavokim atzalamechzadam. Okay, that that seems to be the the maramakum for it. So Tosis says, where did Rabbi Shimon know this din from? Where does Rabbi Shimon know that kol kav that that you any time you have this group that it's kmetzalamechzadam? And, and then Tosis carries on, and he, he basically, basically he wants to say maybe you want to say Rabbi Shimon holds like Rabbi, um, which, which is the Gemara then Sanhedrin, not really our. Asugya, just not to get too much into it, but then he's left off, he still leaves off the question, as we see here in the sources I bought from the Gemara Zanhedrin on the Ayin Testament base, that there's still by Chizkiah, that learn not only, that learn from the Pasuk of Arab Kamala, not only that you're not Chayiv Misa, but you're also Pater from Mamanot, you're also Pater to pay any money. Why are you Pater to pay any money? Because, because this is like a din that's somewhat shy to the death penalty, so therefore you're even going to be Pater to pay money. Which which not to get stuck in the, the Gomorrah over there, but but the, we left Tosfos is still left off with this question of where does Rabbi Shimon and if not Rabbi Shimon, where does Bechezkiah know this concept of Kol And what makes it worse is as I said, the Rambam holds of this concept of Kol The Rambam paskins like Bechezkiah in the Rambam here in Hilchot Shmertanefesh, so, sorry, Aluch Aleph, he holds, he holds of that also. He holds, he holds like Bechizkiah, 
the Rav, it says, it understands that he holds like uh, Rabbi Shimon, but he's definitely not holding like Chachamim, which means he's definitely not using the pasuk of the Arab Lava Kamala to teach me Kol Kavot. He, he's using the pasuk of the Arab Lava Kamala to teach me a concept, to teach me a din of to, uh, to teach me a din that's specific to murder and can't be used for Kavot. So we have to understand, and this din is Paskin, din is Paskin by the Ramah, it's Paskin, we've got here, it's, it's a, I think it becomes a very schwer thing, where does the Ramah know this din from? Where does he know the din of Kavua? Kavua does not seem to be a logical thing. If you look in, mainly in most of the Achronim, they all seem to say Kavua is a Gizarat Akatav. It's a Gizarat Akatav, and the problem is, because it's written, it's from the Pasuk, and the problem is we don't actually have a Pasuk for it. So where do we know the din of Kavua? Seems to be Pascan, seems to be acceptable, and where do we know it from? The next part, just to address, and I think then we can try and start getting to an answer, but the next question to ask is just a few very interesting missioners in Masechet Trumot, in Perak Dalit. So in, in Mishnachet of Perak Dalit, Masechet Trumot, Rabbi Yeshua says, Black figs, so we oh, basically, just as a quick background, we have. Um, we have a concept of bitul. Anything you can, if you have something, let's say trife. So, just come again. Rabbi Shimon, why does he hold that you put it in the case where you weren't in- intending? Is it not? Be- he holds of the gzeratakat of it. Even though you killed someone, you have to intend to kill that person. Even though you were negligent, you tried to kill another person. But if you tried to kill one person and you didn't kill another person... So how do we know when you, you throw the stone back behind your head? No, for, for sure he'd be part of that because you're not trying to kill one specific person. You have to be that you're trying yep. to kill one person, Rabbi Shimon says, and you, and you kill that person to be chaimita. Whereas the Rabbanu have a different reason. They, well, they, they say you chaim in that case. If I try to kill Mr. A... And now by mistake... No, I'm saying when I throw the stone, yeah. the reason I'm part of that is because of the principle. Because of Kol Kavod. There's one non-Jew there, yeah. and we see it as 50-50. But how you know Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold by Kol Kavod? Well, he, he, he could, he, he might. Could, right? he might, but he wouldn't no. be able to learn it from the Pasuk. So the question is, where does he know what, it from? And why can't he learn it from? Because he doesn't... Because he uses that Pasuk to tell me oh. that you have to be like, get aiming for one guy. Yeah. Okay, so now, we look at our... So the, the Mishnah is in Trumas. So, we know the concept of Bittal. You have something, Traif, you can nullify it in 60. Says, says Rabbi Shua, okay, oh, by, and by one more thing, and by Truma, Truma needs to be nullified in 100, Midrabonin, that's uh, even though normally things that are yavish be yavish, which means they're solid and they min be mino and they're the same species, they can be nullified one in two. But by truma it has to be one hundred. Rabbi says, Black figs can count towards white figs. Levanot, malot, shkoret, white figs can count towards black figs. Okay, if you have. Like a pressed fig, they used to make like a pressed dried fig. Like, I don't even know what it would be, a pressed dried fig circle. So that pressed dried fig circle can, a big one can help be a small one, a small one can help be a big one, circle ones can help be a square ones, square ones can help be a circle ones. And Rabbi Lezer says, no, you can't, they can't be a they can't be a each other. Basically, they're not the same. You can't say that white figs are mavatal black figs and black figs are mavatal white figs. And Rebbe Kiva says, when you know what fell in, okay, when you know that a white fig, let's use white figs and black figs, when you know that a white fig fell into this mixture and you have, you need 100, right? But you have 50 white figs, 50 black figs, and one fig fell in, 
and you know that it's a white fig, so you can't use the black figs to nullify the white figs, and you can't, and if it were vice versa, you wouldn't be able to do that. And if you don't know what color fell in, you have a black fig that fell, you, you, so you have the guy 50 50, 50 white figs, 50 black figs, and one fig fell in, you don't know which color, then they all help to move my battle. Because they're all included in the suffix, whatever is included in the suffix is all going to be what helps you to be Mavata. So, can I ask, I don't know if you're going here, but um, if you've got, say, you say you've got two dry th- uh, foods, yes. uh, typically they can, it's okay, right? You, yes. It's, 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 it's fine. Why, um, why would, why, how does that differ to the, why wouldn't that be, if you, it's, it's not as if you've got a piece of meat outside the shop. It's, it's, it's different to that case, right? We've got one piece of meat lying outside the shop because here you've, you can see the you can see the item. You know one of them is... Yeah. No, 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 not, not connected, not connected. Not connected. Not connected. We, we, we're for, for now. Not connected. Okay? We, it's a different thing. This is a concept of bittle. In reality, they're not connected at all because the one's a concept of bittle, of nullification. The one's of following the majority. It's more... Right. Okay. okay, so they are connected. They probably learned out also from the same pasuk of Harei Rabin Hatato that we follow the majority, but but they're coming here from in from different places. So now, in, what you have over here is you have a you have a case. Can black figs join with white figs to be mavata each other? Can squares join with circles? Can of all the same species, it's the same thing, but maybe but they're different. They have different side things. The the ones black, the ones white, the ones square, circle. Can they join together? So, Rishul says, yeah, of course they can. Rabbi Lezer says, no, of course they can't. They're not the same. You can't compare them. They're not the same. Rabbi Kiva says, as long as they're all in the suffix, whenever whatever is included in the suffix, that's going to be that's going to be enough. The next the next mission is, he gives an example. Yeah, fifty. This case that we said now. Yeah, fifty black figs, fifty white figs. Uh, a black fig falls into the pot. But all the black ones are also, the white ones are mutter. Why? Because we know a black fig fell in, we know it wasn't a white fig, so you can use all the white figs. Again, they're all dry, there's no, no cooking, no liquid, no hot heat, nothing like that. A white fig falls into the pot, all the white ones are going to be also, the black ones are going to be mutter. Why? Once again, you know, they, you know it's white, so the black ones are all going to be mutter. You don't have a hundred white ones, so all the white ones are going to be awesome. If you don't know what fell, then they joined together, they're all in the suffix, and you have a hundred figs against the one fig. And Rabbi Lez is going to be Mahmer because he says that white and black cannot join together. And Rabbi Yeshua is going to be Makel even in the case where you have, even when you have white and black and you know that the one's black, or you, you know it fell in black, or you know it fell in white. And carries on the Mishnah to the next Mishnah. And in another case of it, until now Rabbi Yeshua has been very Makel, Rabbi Lez has been Mahmer. But now we're going to see the flip side. Rabbi Lezer is going to be Makel in this coming case, and Rabbi Shul is going to be Machmir. What's the case? You have what's called Litrixias. You have these dried figs, and you put them into a big pot. You have like a big jar of figs, and you put, let's say there's 80 like circles of figs in this big jar, and you put one on top. And you don't know which one you put it in. They all now have 80. You don't know which one has the one traif dried fig circle. So in that case, Rebilez is going to say, we see them all as if they're separate. Okay? And therefore, the, and, and therefore we say the bottom ones are going to all join together, and they're going to... Sorry, one sec. 
Oh, so, so, we use, so we say they, they're all separate. They can't, they, the bottom ones can't join together with the top ones. Okay? Oh, sorry, uh, Rabbi Lez is going to be making, he's going to say the bottom ones join together with the top ones, and it's mavatal, they're all mavatal together. Rabbi Yeshua is going to say you don't, it doesn't, um, you, you can't be, be matter any of them until you have a hundred, a hundred jars. And the hundred jars will be mavatal all the other jars. And you have over here a bit of of the of all the hundred jars coming together. So now we have to understand, what is Rabbi Yeshua saying? How can it be that white fig can battle black figs? Even though I know that what fell in is a black fig. How can it be that, well, what's the Svara? What's the and why would it be that Rabbi Leza is going to say, even though I don't know what fell in, but white figs and black figs are different. And then, I mean, Rabbi Kiva seems to be the most understandable. That if we have a suffix, whatever goes into the suffix is going to be what's, what's mavatal, what, what, what there's a bitl to. That's what joins together. So, and I, and I think now to understand both these questions and to really get a better understanding of what definitely what the Rambam would hold, we'd have to start with the question brought here on page three, which was first asked and first said very nicely by, and I can't really pronounce his name, Porphyry. Okay, I'm sure my pr- pronunciation is very bad. In his in his book, the Isagog, which was. An introduction to Aristotle's categories. Aristotle wrote a book called Categories. In the inter- in the, he had a he had a commentary on it. In the introduction to this commentary, he put the question very. He put the question a question like this. And this is a question that's still discussed till today in the world of philosophy. It's called the problem of universals. A universal is something that is general. You have what they call particulars. This cup is a particular. It's this cup. This table is a particular. It's this table. This. Or whatever, this person is a particular, this person is this thing. It's particulars, there can only be one particular in the world of any specific thing, only one particular in any place, and it's called a particular. You have what's called the universal. Universal is something that is general. Universal is would be horses are universals. People are universals. All the any, anything that's a general, something something is red, red is a concept that is universal. It is not only found in one place, it's found over many places. And that is called universal. So, he, he, as, so as written in Isagog, he puts it very nicely, just to read it. For example, I shall beg of... Here he's saying what he's not going to discuss. He doesn't want to get involved with this big question. But he's going to say it, but he does talk out the questions very nicely. I shall beg of saying anything about whether a, genre, a genera or a species are real, or they're situated in Bethel alone, whether as real they are bodies or corporals, whether they are separated or insensibles, they have their reality in connection with them. So, just to talk that out, because even though he says it very nicely, but the, the English is not, uh, you know, not not the easiest. But he's saying like this: When I have something that's a general a general concept, does that concept exist? Is there when we have a concept called horses? Do is there such a thing as horses? Do horses exist in the world, or is it let's call it a fiction? Is it something that we just call it? We use it as a name to discuss things, but it doesn't actually exist. And if you want to tell me it exists, do they? Does it exist? Is is there a place where, where there's like a horse? Does it exist, or is it purely within each horse? There's the horses, and we'll explain what that means. So now there's two main shooters and two main opinions in the ancient world, and really. And, and how to understand the one opinion. Basically, there's a, there's a discussion between Plato and Aristotle. Brings Plato, and he argues with Plato. 
And there's a discussion how to understand Aristotle. And I think those three opinions, those three ways, are brought down until today, are the main three categories of the problem of universals until today. Of course, you know, things get a bit... You didn't explain the third way. You said the f- you got the first two. The first two. Oh, so so are, are they... Is it... Is it in if it's real, then they could be... No, so really if it's real, real or, or, yeah, they could be really real, they could be cobble. And if they and if they're real and in things, are they in the... Are they, let's say, if, if they're real and if they're real, are they in the horse? Let's say, is it real that it's in the horse? Which is a bit hard thing to understand. Maybe when we explain that opinions, we can understand it better. Is it in the horse? Or is it only that it has the... Is it only real in connection to the horse? So I explain... I think the three main ways of understanding it, and then I think we can understand what the Rambam says. Plato had a very interesting theory, which is called the theory of forms. Plato understood that there's a perfect... In reality, there's no such thing as a circle in the world. There's nothing in the world that's perfectly circular. You can draw a circle here, we can draw it with, with a compass, with a, whatever you want to use. It will not be perfectly circle, because... In the physical world, nothing can be almost perfect. You can have something that is a horse. But what is a perfect horse? It doesn't exist. Every horse is a bit different. Every horse is a bit Plato understood that there is a perfect... There is almost any... It's very hard to understand where these things do exist. In Plato's understanding. But there is a place where exists the perfect everything. There is the perfect horse, the perfect circle, the perfect red thing. And things are horses... They're not, they're horses in so much that they are related to the perfect horse. So it's really, a horse is a horse in, in its connection to the, per, as close as it can be to the perfect horse. So you would have different levels of horses. For example, assuming the perfect horse has four legs and is black and can jump a meter high. Now this horse is brown, one of its legs got chopped off and can't jump a meter high, but it's still a horse because it's connected in all the other ways. It makes the same brain sound. It's got the same mouth structure. I don't know, whatever it happens to be. Another horse that has four legs is more of a horse. So it's more connected to the horse. But there's no such thing. Every, everything that, that we see as a horse is how, in how close it is to the perfect horse. What we see as a circle is in how close that it is to the perfect circle. So this circle looks very good from, to the naked eye. So that's much closer to the perfect circle than when I draw a circle freehand and it doesn't look very good. So therefore we don't call it a circle. Aristotle was a bit vague, and it's, I put it in bold here what he actually says. He does talk about it in a few places, and they discuss it. But he says, I mean, for instance, that no animal exists apart from the particular animals, nor does any other element present in formula exist apart. So he, he comes, he argues on what Plato says, because what Plato is saying is actually very complicated. It doesn't make so much sense. Where are these things, though they do bring it, where are these things situated? Where is this perfect circle? And why do I need to have a world where there's this perfect circle somehow created? Why would it need to be true? Like if, let's say if God, um, just not to discuss too much stuff, but like if, if God was to create a world, why would he also create all these perfect things that sit somewhere, I don't know where? So, so Aristotle has two ways to discuss, to, to understand what Aristotle held. There's the, the, the opinion of Bothius, who was a very, very early Roman scholar, he lived in like the 4th or 5th century, and he, um, so he understood that Aristotle, the way Aristotle is understanding it, 
is what's called today moderate realism. Realism coming from that something is real, it exists. Plato is called, they use today the term extreme realism. It extremely exists. This concept of the universal, the concept of a host extremely exists. There's a somehow, somewhere, let's call it there exists this perfect host. But, but he understood that it's Hosses, the concept of a hoss only exists within a hoss. So what is a hoss? There's nothing, there's no more or less hoss. A hoss exists within every hoss, is the concept of hosses, that universal. So if I didn't have hosses, the concept of hoss exists. But it only exists so much as there is hosses. If I didn't have a hoss, if, if hosses all became extinct, then the concept of a hoss wouldn't exist in the world anymore. And once I have a hoss over here, so there, there is hostness in this host. And we can compare, we understand, our, our mind by default understands and sees the hostness within every host. The com- commonality, the common tropes. All of, the, all of these, there's, and not to get into it, this is like a big discussion, books and books have been written. It's not, and, and it's not here to, to, you know, to bring the, the proofs, the disproofs for all of these opinions, just to understand basically what they are saying. And some of them maybe, and, and then we can see how they... The pros and cons, because also in reality, the pros and cons of all these things don't actually, I don't know what the purpose of all the pros and cons are. If you don't somehow connect it to something practical, it's all very theoretical. It's much nicer if we can connect it to something a bit more practical. I think that would be a positive. But, so, and the last opinion, just to quickly go, the last opinion is the opinion of Ibn Rashid, who was an Arabic philosopher who lived at the same time as the Rambam. Um, very similar times, and the Rambam speaks very highly of him. So he uh, actually put the wrong source here. here. He just disagrees with Plato. The way he understands it, also a discussion if this is how he understands it, but we're just going to use this way of saying he understands it, which is a concept called conceptualism, is that these concepts, it's a horse or red, only exist in my mind. In that, it's a, it, let's call it a fiction. It's convenient. I see this, and I see a horse. It exists in my mind. The problem is, everyone's mind is different. So the concept of a horse doesn't actually exist. It exists in my mind, but our, our concepts can be different. So the existence doesn't... It, it, doesn't, it, exists, it exists too much that I think it. But there's no consistency and there's no... Uh, around the world, you don't have that everyone thinks the same thing of a horse. Now, all of this is just based on the fact that if I'd ask you, now it all sounds very weird, but if I'd ask you, define a horse, how would you define a horse? So the first thing, I mean, I would say is four, four legs and maybe nays, and I don't know what. So now if you have, let's say it's four head, let's say it's got four legs, nays and jumps. So if you have a lame horse, is it a horse? If you have a horse with three legs, is it a horse? If you have a horse that went mute, is it a horse? So now you're going to, how do you define these species? So, so you have these three ways to define what a species is. Either that, it's as close as it can get to this perfect, perfect host. The close, and anything that's close, I call it a host. Anything that's not close, well then, maybe it's a donkey. It's closer to a donkey, the perfect donkey. Is it that we have the species of horses, and within the species, each host is defined by, almost defines itself. This is a horse within itself. This is one of many species of horses, which is also a bit hard to understand, because why would it be like that? What does it mean that this is one of the horses? 
So, but that way, just the, this, the second way, this way of Boethius, this moderate realism, is the way that Kuzari understands. Look, the Kuzari, it's, it's uh, just the, what he says here at the end. You can read from, the begin- from here. Um, the forms of substances have no, have no quantity. One horse cannot be less a queen than another, nor can one man be more human than another, because the definitions of queen and human are common to each individual horse and man. Philosophers involuntarily acknowledge that these forms could only be given by divine influence. That's already he's calling to to some kind of, to, to the Torah, he's connecting back to the Torah, which they call the form given intelligence. Well, he's calling back to God there. But the idea is that you can't have something that's more host. Plato is in Plato's understanding, you can have something that's more of a host or less of a host, that's more connected to the perfect host. This is understanding that there's no such thing as the perfect host, therefore I can't be more human or less human than someone else. We're all equally human, we just have different ways, we, but we share common tropes, we share commonality, and that makes us human. And the last way is the way Ibn Rashid understands, and I think that's the way the Rambam understands. So if we look at the Rambam, he says very shortly, he says that it is known that no species exists outside the mind. And that species and other universals are, as you know, mental notions, and that every existence outside the mind is an individual group of individuals. Okay, so what the Rambam is saying is no such thing as a species, no such thing as, any, as an abstract concept that exists outside of the mind. Which means the only thing that exists anywhere besides in my mind, is specifics. There's only, this is a table. There was no, there's this thing. There's only this thing. There's that thing. There's that thing. There's all, there's various different things. But nothing groups them together except for we, what we put in our mind, that convention tells us we're going to call this a table, this a table. We're going to call that a horse and that a horse. We're going to call this a cup and that a cup. Even though this white cup, like this over here, and a black cup, in another place will look very different. But we've convention decided that anything that holds water, let's say, is going to be called a cup. But it doesn't actually exist. The grouping doesn't exist. There's nothing that actually groups things together besides what, how I group things together. Because how should I group them together? Should I group the fact that this is what, and this paper is what, should I group them together? Is that, does that make them a closer group? Or does the fact that this white cup and this black cup, both being cups, maybe that makes them into a closer group. How do I group anything? So now, if we were to take this back to our, to our discussion of Kavua, let's just say. So I want to have a group. I want to say there's 10 shops. Why are you looking at these 10 shops? There's not 10 shops in the world. There's hundreds of shops in the world, thousands of shops. I'm going to group these 10 shops because for some reason, they are in maybe in a closed system. They're the only ones in town. They're the only ones in the shopping center. They're the only ones in, in this arbitrary place that I've decided to, to make a group here. It might be that it's a very practical group. These things that we call horses, it's very practical that I've grouped them all as horses. It helps me a lot to group them as horses. But on the other hand, I've arbitrarily decided to limit horses at horses. And not include donkeys in horses, even though donkeys are very similar to horses. But I've arbitrarily decided to where to cut the line. And I'll call these things a horse, even though this one has three legs. Because it's similar enough to that. And this one maybe has two legs. Maybe it should be more connected to some two-legged thing. But we've arbit- and, and they're very useful. That This fiction is a very useful fiction. It's something that we can use, we use all the time, we use in our lives. But does it actually exist? So, and, and the Rambam's clearly saying, and that's what he's saying here in Moran is that he's saying this doesn't exist. So therefore, when I have this Kavua, I have this group. What groups it together? Why are you picking that group? 
Why are you saying these 10 shops? Understand they're in a closed system. Understand they're in the mall. Understand they're in the only ones in town. But why are you picking this arbitrary grouping? And, this, so, and the same will be true for, for, for anything that requires groupings. Anything you want to say, even a... You want, to, you want to make any bit or go after any majority or any... Unless we're going after the majority of the... Even when you go after the majority of animals in the world, but why are you limiting it, to, limiting it to animals, not to fish? Why are you... It's still going to be arbitrary. Not to birds, not to... It might be a good grouping, it might be intelligent, but who... Where's that definition? Does that exist? The Ramam's going to tell us that this is why Bakavua it would make... That we're going to have, we can maybe make it make some sense and understand it. Is that when you have 10 shops, there's no reason to look at those 10 shops as a group. Those 10 shops have no connection to one another except for the fact that I have connected them. So when we have a suffix, that suffix is 50 50. There's no reason to, to go and look at those 10 shops as a group, as a connection. There's nothing connecting them except for my mind. But my mind's not real, I and mean, it's real for me, it's not real for anyone else. So therefore, when I look at a group of shops, uh, when I don't know which shop I went to, let's say, of the group of shops, I don't actually, I can't actually look at the ten shops as a group because maybe I shouldn't group them. Maybe I should look at these three shops and those three shops. Why am I grouping all ten? Why am I not including all the shops in the world? So therefore, I look at it as fifty-fifty. And every kavua, that's why I look at it as fifty-fifty. When I have ten people, why am I grouping these ten people just because they're standing together? Well, maybe I should group the 10 people, these ones look alike. These ones are darker than the other ones, these ones have black hair, these ones have blonde hair, these ones have... Why am I grouping them? Because they're standing together. Understand it's a logical grouping. All of these groupings are logical. They're logical to the question at hand, but nothing actually connects them together. So the Rambam will tell us that logically the concept of Kavur works. And what I really have the Pasuk to do, the Pasuk is to tell me, the, uh, is which, and the Pasuk is the Chidosh, which is the Harei Rabban Hatos, is we go after the majority. Whenever we go after the majority, what's actually coming here is the Torah is telling me to make a grouping. You don't have a grouping. In the world, in the world of creation, there's no grouping. There's nothing to bind them together. The Torah comes along and creates a grouping. Without the Torah, I could never group them. What I need is, and what, the only thing that I have, is the Torah coming together and grouping them. The Torah coming together and saying, Look at these things as a group and go after the majority. So therefore, only when the Torah steps in and says, in our case of Kavor, when the, you find the meat in the middle, you find the meat in a random place, not in the shops. So then the Torah says, go after the majority. But only, with, only then can I go after the majority. And also over there it's a bit different because it's, it's going over, I'm looking at the statistics of what the chances is of this piece of meat being kosher. But at the end of the day, why am I only looking at those 10 shops? It's only because I know that I went to one of those 10 shops. But that, again, is an arbitrary grouping based on what I know. So when I, but when I, look, at the, so when I look at this piece, statistically, the odds are that it's kosher. When I don't know which shop I went into, then I don't have that pasuk. And therefore, I say, Now, the same idea we can use is to answer the Mishnahs and Trumps. The Torah, without the Torah, there would be nothing to, to say that these two figs, nothing to group the two figs. They might be in the same place, but that's not enough of a group because it's an arbitrary place. Why am I picking this jug, not all the jugs here? Why am I picking the, this jug and not just the top of this jug and not just the bottom of this jug? It's an arbitrary grouping. It's a very intelligent grouping. Once again, all of this is very intelligent. It just doesn't exist. It exists in there so much as my mind groups it in this intelligent fashion. 
So, so what happens is the Torah comes along and tells us there's a concept called Bittel. The Torah comes along and tells us there's a concept called nullification. Once there's a concept called nullification, I need to have a way to group them. I need to have a way to create the group that the Torah creates to nullify things. So, for example, over here we have this Makalokis. Rabbi Yeshua says we group all the things that are together. I don't care what the suffix is. I don't care what my question is. That's, that's an arbitrary grouping, to group all the things that go into a suffix. So rather, I'm going to group all the things that are together in a, in a specific location. I'm going to group all of them. Rabbi Lezer says, no, I'm going to group all the things that look the same. That, that look, that, that are, that are, that, that the, the similarities is in looks, not in location. I'm going to group the things that have a similarity in look. And Rabbi Kiva says, no, well, I'm going to group the things the way the Torah tells me. I'm going to group everything that's in the Sophic, everything that I'm in doubt about. In reality, none of these, all of these groups are true and none of them are true. Because any of them are logical, and all, none of the, and all, but none of them exist. Except for the fact that the Torah comes along and tells me that this exists. The Torah comes along and says, even though in nature none of this exists, but, but you're going to come along and you're going to create your own grouping. And so the Torah is really what's creating this grouping. And the Torah, let's say, is changing our way of looking at things and making things more real. Because in, before that they were conceptual, and now they're still conceptual, but they're just more practical, or you could even say maybe they come into the world. Because the Torah is, because the Torah brings it into the world. How would it be different if you were using the moderate realism, realism approach? Like you, you seem to be implying that because Rambam held by even Rashid, which had that the concepts oh. were were only in your head, as opposed to extreme realism like Plato or okay. moderate realism. How, why would it be different? How would Rambam have Paskin differently or thought about? The source for so so I think I think the truth is within Plato, you could say that certain things are maybe you could say that certain, that you could say a similar kind of idea because none of the stuff that's all it's all grouped in how close it is to its original perfect form. But and might, you might be able to say that the actual grouping doesn't exist; it's just how arbitrarily group it. And where do I draw the line in how close it is to its perfect form? But in the moderate realism this grouping exists in the hefta itself, in the object itself. This is, within itself, is a horse. And this is a horse, and this is a horse, and this is a horse. And they are grouped all within themselves as a horse. But, and, and therefore, once they, within themselves, group, grouped as a horse, or within themselves, they want. The, over here, this will be a bit easier as a white. This, this figure, and this figure, and this figure, they all want. Okay, so within this these figs, there's this concept of white, and whiteness exists within this, within these figs. So therefore, there's by default a group. Whereas in, whereas in Plato, maybe you could say that it's in how close. And I would agree, maybe that the Rambam, if he went like Plato, then maybe he would say a similar idea: is that the group is an arbitrary group, and how close this is to the perfect white, and where do I draw the line, and how far down grey do I start drawing the line? That this isn't called white anymore. But but when it's again when a moderate this moderate realism the way they because I understanding it and is that it exists within the chetz itself it exists within the object and if it exists within the object so then then it's real it's in this world I can't start making my own arbitrary groupings there might be multiple ways where something exists within the object but location doesn't exist within the object so that would be almost a and, and, and whiteness, but whiteness does exist within the object. Blackness does exist within the object. So we originally asked the question: Where does Rambam get the concept of? Because he does, because he passes like Rabbi Shimon. Uh, where does he get the concept of um, 
Oh, so, of Kavua. So now he's getting, so he's getting the concept of Kavua, and this is where we go back to at the beginning. He's getting the concept of Kavua because that's logical. There's no reason to say that anything's more than 50-50. I don't know which one of the 10 shops I went into. Why are you, what is grouping that 10 shops? Why are you looking at those 10 shops? Look at any amount of 10 shops. There's nothing that connects shop 1 to shop 2. But yet when the meat's lying outside the shop? So when the meat's lying outside the shop, the Torah tells me, there's a chiddush of the Torah, and the Torah comes along and, and tells me, look at them in a group. Then we have to make an arbitrary group. So we look at what we think is very logical. So that's more the, the, so the chiddush is the other way around. No matter which way you hold, you have to come up with a logical way to group it. Since the Torah tells you you've got to, you've got to group it, you've got to group it. You've got to find a way. Whether it's like Plato, whether I don't know what modern realism. That's very hard. Either way, you're going to have to come up with some approach. Yeah, no, likeness, location. It's subjective. But it's subjective. So now, do you look at Kavua? Do you look but at Kavua is where the chiddush is? That you're saying that you can get it through Sforos, since he doesn't hold. Yeah, and therefore he doesn't need a pasuk. He doesn't need a pasuk. Yeah. That, that, and that's a, and, and you so you would think and this is really the thing because you would think because you would think that and the, the world does think I'm not I'm saying what, what I'm saying here is is not something discussed it's they everyone seems to say that it, that it needs a puzzle cover the question is correct the subjectivity pardon to remove the subject yeah to remove the su- subjectivity you need a puzzle for cover but why but but then how does the Rambam learn it we're just trying to understand how the Rambam can learn without a puzzle can still get to Kavua. And, and you have to say that Kavua in the world, and, and, and this is what I'm trying That's to say, nice. in the world as cre- of creation, Kavua is much more logical. Not much more logical. Kavua is real. Kavua is real. It's logical that we make logical fiction to run our lives. But it's not real. Whereas, whereas, um, whereas Roiv, which is logical, but it's not real. And the Torah is Machalish, that you can go after that logical way of going after Roiv. So, just to summarize, we have three main ways of looking at the world. We have the way of Plato, which is extreme idealism, sorry, extreme realism. And what that represents is that things really exist, but they really exist in their perfect form. They exist somewhere, a perfect horse, a perfect bat, a perfect table. And in our world, we things exist in how close they are to that perfect form. A horse is is a horse because it is close and identifiable to that perfect horse, even though it's not a perfect horse, etc., etc. We have the, the side of the one way of learning Aristotle, which is the way that Kudari learns Aristotle, and it's the way that some of the Aristotelian commentators learned Aristotle, is that Aristotle was, what they call in modern terms, a moderate realist. It's that he held that things and concepts really exist, and they exist in the things themselves. For example, a horse is a horse, and it exists as a horse because in its hossness, within the horse exists hossness. Therefore, if you would destroy all the horses in the world, there wouldn't exist a horse. Whereas in the Platonian way, the extreme idealism, a concept of a horse exists independent of horses in our world. And the last opinion, and this is how said the opinion of the Rambam, and it's the way some commentators learn Aristotle, is a concept of conceptualism. Things don't exist in so much as they don't exist in the real world, but they exist in our minds. And we can answer the problem of Kavua. The Rambam doesn't have a source, doesn't have a biblical source for the concept of Kavua, because he uses it, he uses the Pasuk for another din. And we can answer it up by understanding
that the way the Rambam looks at the world is that is that we don't see groups, we only see particulars. And because we only see particulars, we we can't we can't group things. So why should I group the ten shops together? Because it's because it's a logical fiction. It's purely something that I think in my mind. It's not real. It's very logical, but it's not real. And because of that, the Rambam understands that that's only true. We only apply this logical, this logical fiction, this logical, as much as it's logical, we only apply it when the Torah comes and tells me. And therefore, until you have a roiv, until you, until you call the parish, we can't come and, and use the concept of roiv. Because roiv is, is something that the Torah tells me that you have to create a mixture to create a roiv. You have to, you have to have a worldview to create a roiv. You have to say, how do I look at these 10 things, these 20 things? Why am I grouping them? So only when the Torah comes and says we need to group them, then we discuss how we group them. But until the Torah comes to group them, what we do is we look at the reality of the world. And the reality of the world is each thing exists in and of itself and not connected to anything else. Thank you very much and have a good night. Thank you for listening to Murray and Talmud. We hope you found this episode insightful and thought-provoking. As we continue to explore the philosophical concepts of Murray and the Talmud, we encourage you to share your thoughts and questions with us. Let's continue this conversation and deepen our understanding together. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in for our next episode.